week four, I think, of our collection here for this, saying to our family, to our city, to all those around us, to our local church, and most importantly to God, we're here for this. Whatever you have, God, for my 2022, that's what I want. Let's not get to the end and be like, oh, man, you know what? I want to be like that. If we can know this, that God is super smart, okay? I know that's like a very dumbed down thing to say, but he is super smart. Some would say that he knows everything. I would be one of the some. Hopefully you would too. If this is true, then why not let him have the full control and authority over our entire year instead of us trying to think we're smart enough to convince God what we really need? Just trust him. Just trust him. Say, hey, we're here. God, whatever you have, that's where we're at. And someone's life that exemplifies that so well is the character Joseph in the scriptures in the book of Genesis. Through the ups and the downs, he stayed faithful, declaring joy and being optimistic and looking to the future and still having favor on his life, even when really hard things were happening. And when it would have been so easy to complain, is it ever easy for you to complain? Like, you know, something just really like teeing you up for the complaints? No? I'm the only one? All right. Okay, good. Y'all's life must be great then. I'm glad it is. I'm glad there's nothing to complain about in your life. But sometimes it seems like in my life, it just can be so easy. Maybe it's because of who you're with or what's happening or what you've been watching on TV. It can just be so easy to just start complaining when there really are some good things happening too. But we can focus on the negative. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open up to Genesis, do that. I'll have some, some scriptures on the screen for us also. But here's my title for today if you're taking notes. Here for family. Here for family. Man. Did you know that we're family? Like, everyone in this room, that's what God decided. That's what he said. That we're family. He's our perfect father, and we're the brothers and sisters. And that you can, you can leave, and you can go anywhere you want, but we're still family. Being here or not being here doesn't make if we're family or not. Every single person who's a believer saying that Jesus Christ is Lord, they walk that out, they live that, is family, and we should treat each other like family's supposed to treat each other. Joseph had some family problems of his own. Here for family. You see, it was his brothers that threw him in the pit. The reason he got sold into slavery, the reason he ended up in jail, the reason he wasn't with his family, the reason he wasn't with his dad, the reason he, has, he was lonely and hurting and distraught and separated and unsure what the future would be like, his inheritance that he had, all the things, all the relationships that he had pulled away from, it was because his own family that happened to him. And family isn't perfect. If you have one, you know. And neither is your spiritual family in the local church. Neither are they perfect. And Joseph, even in the midst of all that, has become the leader, second in charge of what is the known world at the time. Famine has set in in this time. And if you're coming new to the story, Joseph, the things that I described earlier have happened. He was in jail. He got brought out of jail because he interpreted a dream from his boss. The dream was that there would be seven good years of plenty and seven bad years of famine. They got through the seven good years of plenty. During that time, they saved up and they stored up food. How many know it's wise to save things up? And then they got to the other, the seven, 
the seven bad years, and they're, they're about two years into those seven bad years, and people are beginning to run out of food. And you know what happens when people run out of food? They get crazy. You know, you go to the restaurant, you order the thing you wanted to get, they don't have it, you just already are going nuts. There's nine, 90 other things on the menu, you know, but you came for the whatever it was, chicken quesadillas, and they're out of them. You don't know what to do. Sorry. It seems like the most random places are what's out of it. Growing up, it was always KFC. They have one thing. It's fried chicken. You would go, and you would ask for fried chicken. They were out. I don't understand. You only got one thing. You don't have, do you have a hamburger? No, we don't have that. just didn't make any sense. So Joseph is put in charge. He's there, and he's handing out the food to all the people who are coming down the line. And as he's doing that, I imagine he looks up with his eyes, and he sees his own brothers standing in the line. Now, to you, you're like, all right, whatever. Cool, man. I don't know why you're screaming at us about it. Well, here's the thing. Can you imagine in that moment, put yourself in the situation and imagine that for years and years, for 26 years, you didn't see them, you didn't know where they were, you hadn't spoken to them, and your last memory with these brothers that were supposed to be family was them ripping you naked, ripping all your clothes off, taking you naked, and throwing you into a pit. The pain and the trauma that must have hit Joseph in that moment was so raw and real and unexpected that it seemed as if he didn't even know how to respond. Genesis 42.7 says, Joseph saw his brothers and he recognized them. They did not recognize Joseph, but he recognized them. But, it says, he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Joseph didn't make a lot of mistakes recorded in the scriptures. You look at his life. And he's a model citizen as compared to so many people. But still in this moment, that was the wrong thing to do. And for several moments to follow, he wrestled with this, treating his brothers harshly. But it can be so easy to do. Here's what happened to Joseph here in that moment. This is my first point. He chose to let pain lead. He chose to let pain lead. We've been there. You, you, you're there and... and your frenemy comes up, and they say, you know, nice man bun. And they may have meant it as a compliment or not. You didn't like the tone, and so you replied back, well, you're ugly. And you're like, well, where did that come from? Because you, you made a choice in that moment to let pain lead out of your place. Like, all of a sudden, it's not the Holy Ghost. You, just a moment ago, some of you were led by the Holy Ghost. You were like, oh, what a beautiful name it is. Oh, praise God. And then you walk out, and trauma hits you, and past pain from years before just kind of snap right into your face in a moment, and all of a sudden, you're cussing somebody out because you didn't like how they made a right-hand turn. Too real? Because you got some past trauma on how your parents used to drive, and you don't like that, and you're going to drive different. And so when other people drive like that, you got to correct them, even though they can't hear you. They don't know about your road rage. Because now it's pain and trauma beginning to lead, not the Spirit of God. And Joseph is in that moment where pain was beginning to lead them. Therefore, he was speaking harshly and treating them like strangers. And to everyone else that's around watching the story, Joseph was fine to do that. 
Nobody else could judge. And many times we position ourselves in such a place where it's fine with all the bystanders who are around us that we're acting in such a way because they don't know the conviction that's really in our heart. Because pain leads. So no one's going to call us out. Because they don't know our leader's not the Holy Ghost. They think we got righteous anger going on. They think we're reproofing and we're rebuking. We're not reproofing. We're not rebuking. We're puking. It's pain that's coming out. That's our response. It's what's, it's what's there. It's, it's the place it has been triggered, and now this deep trauma from a disturbing experience is what's leading us as the local church. And we wonder why some people don't want to come or don't want to be our friends or don't want to be around us, why we're severing relationships, why it's not going well, why the favor of God's not on us. Why is the favor of God? Because we're leading out of pain. And it's the choice we made. I mean, what happened to us may not be right. It's probably wrong. What Joseph's brothers did in throwing him into the pit that the next several years of his life were ups and downs and hardship and he was away from his family was the wrong thing to do. And other people who have wronged you or talked bad about you or put you down, it was wrong for them to do that. But that doesn't make it right for us to be wrong in return. And when pain gets in charge, we can, we can be ensured that our response won't be the biblical response. That our response won't be the response from love. That our response won't be the response that we like. You know what kind of pain I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, you're minding your own business, brushing your teeth and you're replaying some conversation from five years ago on what you should have said, what you wish they would have said, how you wished it would have went. I'm talking about that kind of pain. I'm talking about the kind of pain from a decade ago that you just can't shake, and it messes with every single one of your relationships because it's there, it's small, and you don't want to talk about it, you don't want to tell anyone about it, you don't want to expose it because if you just keep pressing it down, pressing it down, pressing it down, maybe it'll go away. And here's the thing, it won't go away by pressing it down. It'll only go away by letting God begin to heal it. And this is the wrestle that Joseph began in the text. Between chapters 42 and 45, where he wrestled and he did such things to his brothers and he responded harshly and he questioned them and he pushed them back. And then all of a sudden, he began to realize that he was wrong and his heart needed to be softened. Point number two, he chose to have a soft heart. It's a choice. It's a choice to have a soft heart. And a soft heart puts us in a place where we can forgive. But it doesn't just happen. The tricky place is that a lot of us in the room have parts of our heart that are soft. You know how I know? Because I've seen grown men walking through Home Depot with torn up boots, steel toe boots, and the steel toe showing through, real holes in their jeans, not that Hollister stuff. People still go to Hollister? I don't know. Not the Abercrombie and bitch distressed look you paid extra money for. No, real holes in their jeans. Their knuckles are massive. They're the size of my big toe. And they're scratched. And they are men. They got tobacco in their mouth. And you would not arm wrestle them for nothing because they're so strong. They got dad strength and worker man strength. They're walking through Home Depot and they see a poodle and they get down on one knee and they go, 
oh, it's a little bit, oh, it's a little bit. That's how I know people can have a soft heart in different spots. Because you can be so mad walking around and see a kitten, and you like kittens, and you're like, oh, I want to touch the kitten, get it over here. You can be so mad, you can see a baby, and you can be like, goo goo gaga, little baby, do do do. You don't even talk to the person there. People do it to me all the time. I'm walking around, I got my baby, ignore me. They do not care about my name. They don't ask me how old I am. They're talking to my baby. How old is he? I'm like, 33. Oh, him, yeah, <laughs> one. That's how I know you can have soft parts of your heart and think your heart is soft, but other parts of your heart are very hard. Other parts, when God, the, the soft part is that you like puppies and kittens and babies and chocolate and, and comfort food. That's the soft part. The soft part is grandma calls and you're sweet. The soft part is that someone passes away and it touches you. The soft part is you were in worship and you were loved hearing the singing. The soft part is someone got prayed for and you were excited for them and that just warms your heart. The hard part is God speaks and says, stop doing that. And you're like, I don't hear that anymore. God speaks and says, and says, be generous and give and love somebody nearby you. And you don't want to hear that. God speaks and says, remember that it's good to rest. And you don't want to hear that. God speaks and he says, forget everything. If you don't have wisdom, you have nothing. Seek wisdom with all you have. But you don't want to hear that. See, our heart can have soft spots and hard spots at the same time. And that was the thing with Joseph. He had so many soft spots in his heart that he's providing food for a whole nation to come eat food. But as soon as one people group show up, the hard part of his heart that was not given over to God gets exposed. And there's no way to press it down and hope that it goes away. And you can't keep pushing it away and pushing it away. What we need to do is we need to expose it over to God and let him heal it. These, these hard parts of our heart need the healing of God's hand. And you know how it happens? It happens with closeness. This is why many people, and I love you, but I'm preaching the truth. This is why many people will come to the church, but they don't really want to be in the church. Because if you get in relationship with people, they're going to know how messed up you is. We all messed up. If you get too close to people, you know what might happen? You might get hurt. You might get hurt. You probably will get hurt. But you know what else you'll get? Healed. We want to stay far enough away so that the things that happened to us before don't happen. And now we're deciding we're, what we're doing. We're letting pain lead where we need to be instead of our soft heart being the choice that we make so that healing can actually happen. So that previous pain doesn't lead us, but rather the Spirit of God. So when new pain happens, we've now learned how to respond in the right way. But we're stuck back at square one with our original wounds, figuring out how to get through that. It's not about getting through that. It's about God healing that. That's the only thing that will help. No magic words, no magic sermons, no magic thing. The presence of God and the goodness of God, the same God who gives salvation and takes away sin is the same God who wants to bring healing into the broken spots of every life in this room. I, I think that there's this text, 1 Peter chapter 3, Verses 8 and 9 that perfectly describe Joseph's heart in this moment. When it goes from being hard towards his brothers to being soft towards his brothers. Here's how it reads. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 and 9. It says, finally, all of you 
have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart. How many times do we wake up and say, God, give me a tender heart? And a humble mind. Verse 9, do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but rather, on the contrary, bless. For this is what you were called, that you may obtain blessing. This describes Joseph in the moment. He sees his brothers in deep pain and trauma hit him, and he does not know how to respond, and he responds wrong. We all respond wrong at some point. It's just a matter of what will happen next. And what happens next is his heart is soft enough to receive from God a moment of healing so that restoration can happen in his family, so that brotherly love can continue to happen. So that tenderness could be there. So that he's not just touched to his heart by the things that can't hurt him. There's a reason why it's puppies and kitties and babies. What can they do? You can be close to them. Have a soft spot in your heart. But fathers and mothers and uncles can cause pain. Brothers and sisters and friends and coworkers and bosses and employees can cause pain. And so we got to be careful not to get too close. No, no, we got to find healing from God. I don't know that a good mark or a temperature gauge of the believer is that how much they mess up or don't mess up. I don't think that's a good gauge if, if someone's a believer or not. I think a good gauge could be, though, the tenderness of their heart. I think it could be a good gauge. How soft is their heart and ready to hear from God and ready to be led, not by pain, but by God instead. The third thing is this. Joseph, he chose the present over the past. He chose the present over the past. There were so many, there had to be so many previous moments replaying in his mind on what had happened that day that they forsake their brother and tossed him to the side. If he is anything like me or like you, there had to be so many images replaying for all of this time on what had happened, what he should have done, how he should have ran, how he shouldn't have went out. If he wouldn't have been there, it wouldn't have happened. He'd still be home. He'd still know his dad. He'd still have all the things. His mom would be there. Maybe he would restore the relationship with his brothers. Maybe it would be good again. Just replaying these things. But in these moments here, Joseph chooses the present over the past. The past is there, it's real. Scars are scars and hurts are hurts. Wrongs are wrongs. But it's not our job to keep going back and revisiting the past, revisiting our hurt. But rather our job to be in the present and let God do what he wants to do in the now that can happen. And here's what happened when Joseph chose to be in the present. Here's what happened. He broke off for his family and for future families and opened the door for us, the possibility to be done with family generational curses in that moment. Do you, like, I need you to see the bigness of this moment because what could have happened is he could have sent curses back to his brother because they, they gave him curse. 
And if you go all the way back to the beginning, Adam and Eve, what happened? Dysfunction and disorder in the household leads to sin. Sin grabs hold. And then where does it go? It goes to Cain and Abel. And what happens? They get one dies. And then what happens? I mean, just, re, just replay it if you know. And if you don't know, look up any family tree on Google Images of, of what's in there in the Bible. Read your Bible. Do, do whatever you got to do. And you will see that in every single family, there's curses happening. I don't mean no hocus pocus. What I mean when I say curses, I'm talking about evil from the devil that has gotten into the families, into the family unit that has caused that has caused sin to remain, even though we have the authority to live without sin, to live above sin, to not be bound by sin. Even though we have that authority, we don't choose it, not because we can't, because we've allowed the door to be open to generational curses. And when we're opening the door all the way to the past all the time, we're keeping that door open into us and into our family. And Joseph said, not me. And we need to realize not just the healing that can come into our life, but what can come into our future family. Your future kids do not have to be addicted to drugs and to sex and to porn and to drinking and to material things and to screens and to knowing everything. They don't have to be addicted to that. You can decide for them, or you can pass it down to them, whichever you'd like. And the good news is that Joseph's brothers did not have to agree for those generational things to be broken off. The person in your family, spiritual or physical, that has wronged you does not have to come back and agree that those generational curses are going to be broken. You have enough authority in your life by Jesus Christ to break generational curses regardless of someone else's sin or your sin. That's how much authority you have. You don't need their agreement on your generational breaking of curses. You don't need their agreement to stand in your authority and just, you don't need their agreement to have freedom for your house and for your household and for your family. You don't need their agreement. It'd be nice, you don't need it. Joseph didn't need it. What he did in the moment shifted, go read the scriptures and see the peace and the harmony that him and his family lived in for the many years to come. Go read, go read and see the blessing that his father was able to give to the brother. Go read and see how it changed the outcome and how their family then, though stricken with generational curses back all the way to Adam and Eve, broken here, that freedom could be found. This is real. Go read your word. Go read your word. Go read in there and see that though we're free from sin, we can go back to it. We can go back into the cage. We can go back into the shackles. We can go back into the prison of sin. Why? Because free freedom has found us. Therefore, we're free to do what? To either be free or to go back to what was having us in bondage. And when we choose to be free, we have the opportunity to break those chains that have been holding us in our family maybe for years for future generations, for the kids that you haven't even given birth to yet, to live in a new freedom that you never knew. You had to wrestle for what they will not have to, what they will get to stand upon. Do you understand how this works? This is the same way. If you have $100 and you save your $100, when they come out, you can give them $100 right out of the womb. They may not know what it is. And they did not work for that $100. You worked for it. You can choose to give it to them. In the same way, it's spiritual. Genesis chapter 45 in verse 5, it says this. This is what Joseph said to his brothers. Paraphrase and memorize this so you can say it to the people that have wronged you. 
And do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. Now, Joseph dealt with his anger. And now he's saying to them, don't be distressed or angry because you sold me. For God sent me before. He sent me before you to preserve life. Do you see the picture here? Joseph is saying to his brothers, not only now do you know who I am, not only now are you brokenhearted over what you've done, not only now you're like, oh my gosh, how is this guy still alive? But then he's saying to his brothers, don't be upset at yourself. God had a plan all along. That hole in the ground you threw me in and that slavery train you sold me to and that prison that I was in and those floors that I mopped and these blisters on my hand and all this work. Do you know how, many, you know how much work it was over those seven years to save up all the grain and to build all the storehouses? But all that, that, was, that was all because God had a plan. That maybe... Can, you, can, you, can your faith get an agreement and be strong enough just for a moment that just maybe that the hurt and the hardship that has happened in your life was not actually to put you down, was rather to preserve someone else's life that someone else might be set free. And he's saying to his brothers, don't even beat yourself up. Here, here's what you're saying. You know, to your boss who treated you wrong, don't even worry about it. It built my character. To your family that did you wrong, don't even worry about it. It, built, it grew me to who I was. It tested my faith. It strengthened my walk. It strengthened my walk with God. That's faith. Because most people are so in their feels about how they are. They can't even, they can't even minister to someone else. And here Joseph is. now, Because you know why? Because he's healed now. Because he received healing from the hand of God. And now when he received that healing, he knows what it feels like to have, been, have a hard heart and then get it soft. And then he knows how to deliver it over to somebody else. The best people to be around to get healing are those who have been broken and healed. That's why you love hear a good testimony. I do too. But testimonies are way harder to live than they are to share. And what Joseph lived through became the testimony that he could share to his brothers and say, don't be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me. You sold me out. You gave up on me. You didn't want me. You wanted me dead because God had a bigger plan. The plan was to preserve life. If you hadn't sold me, I wouldn't be here giving you food, That's providing right. food for you. That's exactly what I was reading in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. Those who, those who give you evil, don't repay evil to them, but rather bless. Because you know what you get back? You get blessing back. I'm not talking about a new Ferrari. I'm talking about the inheritance of God. I'm talking about the grace, the mercy, and the peace that no amount of money can buy. The level of joy that no amount of money can buy. I don't care how rich you are, how much stuff you got, how many friends you have, how many followers you got. If you have no followers, millions, it doesn't matter. It cannot be, you cannot buy the peace and the joy and the grace and the mercy of God. It's a blessing. We are here for family. That's what we're about. Not to be family oriented. That's great. We're here for that. Not to have a great kids ministry. Great. We're here for that. That's awesome. Not to help support your family. That's great. I want to support your family. And it's what I want it to be so great. We're here for family. We are family. That's what we're called to be. We're called to love one another in such a way 